Welcome to UX Soup, a short-form podcast where you can join me, Lisa Cooper, and my co-host, Chris Schreiner, as we go beyond the buzzwords to talk about the latest user research, technology, innovation, and all things impacting user experience and human-centered design of personal devices and services, whether it be at home or on the go. As always, UX Soup is sponsored by Strategy Analytics, a global research and consulting firm providing our clients all over the world with insights, analysis, and expertise. So today we're going to talk about robotics and some of the use cases and UX issues associated around those use cases. So let's get into it. So first, let's talk about how robotics are making their way into society. Um, most use cases center around physical chores that people don't wish to do, particularly around the house, such as vacuuming. And this is in line with our own research, where we found that this is what people want. Um, they want more time to do the things that they like, and, and they'd rather a robot do the things they don't want. On the other hand, there are robots under development that have other purposes that people are not so happy to see integrated in society, such as use by police enforcement. So let's talk about some use cases and what is out there right now and some of the UX issues we see. So let's start with a home. At CES this year, uh, Samsung unveiled three examples of robots for use in the home. The first uh, was a new intelligent vacuum cleaner, which doubles as a room monitoring device. It was a CES 2021 Innovation Awards honoree. Yeah, these types of things like robot vacuums is what most consumers are familiar with when it comes to robotics. Right, right. It's their first introduction into this. However, this kind of robot, you know, is kitted out with uh, LiDAR, cameras, AI, you know, they're becoming more and more intelligent and more and more tricked out, so to speak. Yeah, a bit multifunctional. Right. Uh, so obviously there are some security issues that I'm sure people are aware of. Well, yeah, we have cameras in most things now. They're in TVs, they're in, of course, in our phones and... Now they're in robot vacuums, which I could see to help maneuver the, the vacuum around the house. But if it's now right. also another security device, yes, it's cameras, cameras everywhere. But when you look at robot vacuums, there are a couple interesting things with it. First, they do seem to work pretty well. They never fully take the place of a really good Hoover. Vacuum. Or vacuum for Americans. <laughs> <laughs> If you've got really deep carpet and mm -hmm. dogs, yeah, I'm sorry, your little Roomba isn't going to work or it's going to need to be refilled or it's going to need to be emptied every 20 seconds. Right. When you think of a robot, you think of, oh, I won't have to deal with this anymore. I won't have to do this thing or worry about vacuuming now. But what ends up happening is you just kind of have to change your behavior a little bit. Now it's like, all right, I've got to think about when the robot vacuum is going to be working and I've got to make sure that the everything is picked up because we don't want that thing getting trapped. I, you can't have like shirts or other clothes that are on the floor for the robot to get, for the vacuum to get trapped in. So it's not fully relieving you of this chore. It's just changing the aspects of the chore that you have to be mindful of and creating new behaviors or things. True. I mean, it's such a useful tool to have. But uh, if you have an animal, you know, there have been stories of these vacuums 
um, spreading around feces. You know, oh. if the dog, oh. <laughs> if the dog, <laughs> if the I, dog I has an accident. There with that. <laughs> I, I was thinking because dogs that I've had have liked to go and, and play with vacuum cleaners. That too. So I could see a dog going up and, and trying to, to bat it around or kind of nip right. at it. Well, and that's why they've put LiDAR in there also. Not not for the playing with it <laughs> aspect, but because so that it can detect an accident, if you know what I mean, yes. or the scarf on the floor, the little tiny toys. So I think that was the intent with that. And then to put the camera in there, their intent was so you could keep an eye on your pet. Uh, but again, you now have another camera in your home. Yeah. It needs a little laser pointer so that it can entertain the cat. Entertain the cat or throw treats for the dog. <laughs> Another robot that Samsung also came out with during CES was uh, a bot care. Uh, it's currently in development and will use AI to recognize and respond to behavior to become a robotic assistant and companion. So it's supposed to help take care of your scheduling needs by learning your habits supposedly giving you reminders or guiding consumers through their busy day. How is this different from just some kind of digital assistant on the phone mm-hmm. or a smart speaker? Is it just because now we have it in a, in a humanoid form, your little humanoid robot personal assistant following you around? Right. And I know that in our research, that was one of the lowest requirements of a robot. People really didn't want it to be helping them with scheduling because they can get it from other places yeah it's not it's not a new use case no i've got google calendar for that no also uh there was another robot that samsung unveiled at ces 2021 was a a robot called bot handy uh it uses advanced ai to recognize and pick up objects of varying shapes sizes and weights to work as a partner in the home so this is another physical robot that can help you out I can see that being something really useful for people, especially elderly people, people with disabilities, people who are extremely busy, and have a lot of money, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I, I see it for parties. <laughs> parties, little, oh, little with the drinks? Going around, you know, pouring drinks or bringing the tray of hors d'oeuvres to... Oh, that would be fun. But again, you have to navigate houses. So I, I'm curious to know how it... I'm sure it has LiDAR in it, too, uh, which for everyone at home, uh, is used in self-driving cars to help them navigate. but And was a previous podcast episode. It was, yes. But I do wonder about steps. and Because from what I can see from the image they released, uh, it was on wheels. So, you know, that could have some issues with obstacles in the way. Yeah. So the, the bot handy will tidy up for you. Yes. It'll bring you drinks. Yes. <laughs> can it can it clean things for me? Can it clean it the can, toilet? Yeah, dust the shelves. That would be amazing. Okay, moving on. Let's talk about police and military and use some robots uh, in that area. So there have been four-legged drones or robo-dogs that have been created by companies such as Boston Dynamics and Ghost Robotics. Um, and actually, they've been getting more media attention for their use by the military and police enforcement. So primarily, they've been used for reconnaissance and surveillance purposes. But the response from the public when they've seen them and uh, the media has not been positive. 
For example, this month, uh, a Twitter video went viral of a robot police dog patrolling with police officers from the New York City Police Department. And uh, the sighting was basically met with outrage from those that saw it, with many bystanders shouting their, their displeasure. Boston Dynamics, though, have, they state in their terms and conditions that they forbid the use of the robo-dog in weaponry. It's not to be weaponized uh, to intimi- or to intimidate people and animals. Uh, but according to an interview with the Washington Post, the chief executive of Ghost Robotics stated that he could see them being used in war zones, working with bombs, scouting, targeting, all probably as early as 2022, and that these could essentially become a warfighter's best friend. So I, I watched that video, and I see this, and I think, yes, there are good use cases for robots in this for diffusing bombs for going to situations that people shouldn't be how much of this do you think is just because it kind of looked like a dog and you have police dogs and now here's this other thing that looks like a dog if it had a different form factor do you think that the response would have been that severe i mean if it's if it's just something that's supposed to be out there to diffuse a bomb it doesn't have to look like a dog (laughs) no now, maybe that's the best way for it to navigate around different environments, different terrain, yes. most successfully. But there would be other ways in that design to make it not look dog-like. I think it's the fact that it looks a little creepy. It's not that it's a dog, necessarily. It's the fact that it does have legs, any mm-hmm. kind of legs. And the reason it has legs, four legs, is so that it can navigate up and down stairs whereas wheels that cannot right. do that. There's no head to it. So it, it's basically just this flat. So it kind of adds to the creep. <laughs> yeah, really. maybe. It's possible. It's a good question to ask if it's, I mean, we know that people don't like human looking robots. So would it creep them out if it looked like an animal? Maybe. Perhaps it's the way it moves. Okay, so we know from our own research in America and the UK that people didn't want the robot to look humanoid. It basically freaked them out. Yeah, I think, well, I think part of that is uh, like when we were doing the research on avatars, you have that that uncanny valley mm. where it's, they're okay with it not looking too, too human. Lifelike. Or they want it to be really, really, really lifelike. But there's that in-between area, that uncanny valley, they call yeah. it, that, that does kind of freak them out. So we know from our research in America and the UK that people didn't want the robot to look humanoid because it freaked them out, possibly due to the abundance of sci-fi films of robots becoming self-aware and ultimately becoming our adversaries. However, in Japan, robots are more often viewed as a partner. Uh, Yuki Nagai, he's the head of the Cognitive Developmental Robotics Lab at the University of Tokyo. Uh, He pointed out that a Google image search for human-robot interaction in English returns an abundance of images of a robotic arm and a human arm opposite from each other shaking hands. But that same search in Japanese returns images of robots standing or sitting beside us, sharing a point of view. They're partners, not in the same sense of shaking hands, but they're holding hands. Yeah, I certainly see that cultural difference when we've looked at what they want in terms of use cases for robots. We saw 
much higher interest in Asia for、mm. companionship. Right. And that's not what they wanted. Right. In the UK and America, they do not want that. was sort of lower, much lower on their list. And one of the differences that we see, even with much more simple things like smart speakers, is that one of the key use cases in Asia is for more companionship, for reading their kids' stories. Yeah. It's、so、a collaboration. A more, yeah, there's a much more openness to collaborative companionship use cases. I was reading, the name slips my mind,、uh, an author of an upcoming book that was talking about viewing robots more as animals because AI learns very differently to people. So we shouldn't think of them as humanoid, or, you know, why would we suspect that they would want to kill us <laughs> when? They learn very differently from us. So, for example, they were looking at machine learning of different species of fish. The way it was learning was through the position of the hands. It wasn't looking actually at the fish because it was being trained on photographs of people holding fish. <laughs> so, the fact that it learned very differently. Yeah. Is, is similar to an animal, how animals also learn differently than we do. So, yes, they can have intelligence, but they learn much differently yeah, to, than we do. It's going to learn based on whatever input we give it to learn from. So, just because it's a subset of everything that we can know or everything that we experience, yes, it's going to have a completely different way of learning, a completely different mindset. To anything that we would have. I mean, who would have known? No one would have thought that it was looking at the hands when it was looking at、right. pictures of fish,、right. and people holding fish. You know, things like that mean that it will learn much differently.、Mm-hmm. Um, In good and bad ways. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's why the military still uses mammals because their abilities are so. So high tuned, it's beyond machine, machinery right now in terms of sonar and things like that, but or echolocation or whatever other、um, skills they have. Okay, so on to our, la- our last little segment、uh, future use cases. What do we think the future use cases would be for robots? So we're seeing it helping in physical spaces. I know for a while there, there were telepresence robots, but I don't know that those would necessarily be relevant anymore. You know, the little ones on、yeah. the wheels that <laughs> no, was in Big Bang、that. Theory with the. We don't seem to need that anymore. We're just all permanently on Zoom. So for me, the best use cases for robots are going to be things that are dangerous for humans to do. Right. And then, second, where I might not want to see them as much, but where they will be seen is in industrial applications. So on, on、yes. factory lines. Taking the place of human people so that it's done more. And it's already, that's already happening. Already happening. And the RoboDog is actually used in a lot of industry、yeah. right now. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'd, rather have, I'd rather have a robot that would help me out and do all the cleaning that I don't want to do. Well, that's in our next segment.、Yeah. <laughs> um, so, thinking about companionship, this idea of companionship. See, now I don't know that well, a robot could ever take the place of a companion, especially a dog. I mean, the fact that this is a robo dog, while I see the benefits of that for people with sight loss that are allergic to dogs, maybe 
but then those that could have a dog, they a big part of why they love their guide dogs is the companionship also. Right. I think there are certain use cases for which a, a physical companionship is for a robot would be helpful, but I think there are many others for which it doesn't have to have a physical form factor. The companion can be an avatar. It could be a, an app on your phone. It could be a smart speaker. It could be, you know, it doesn't have to be a humanoid robot. For me, I could see use cases for people who are bedridden or elderly or not only as a physical help, but, but a potential companion or that would help them learn things. And I could see that being of benefit to people who just struggle to get yeah. out socially anyway but i don't know they would ever be a substitute for social interaction with someone i can't see anyone marrying a robot is what i'm saying <laughs> oh i i i wouldn't say that i, I mean if you're using that. the word companionship i mean oh <laughs> this podcast has to stay g-rated so <laughs> i think an exciting use case would be merging with robots I mean, in, not in a creepy way, um, but where I've seen people with robotic exoskeletons that couldn't walk and now can walk, or that could then be used in industrial applications to keep them safe so they can lift heavy weights. Right. Or, again, military applications. Of course. You'll always get it used by the military. I could see there being some good use cases. Oh, absolutely. Uh, to provide mobility for people that can't have it with their... Own, with their own body yeah i i would love to see that okay it's time for condensed soup condensed soup whoop, whoop. <laughs> okay chris if you could have a robot what would you want it to do so uh i will be a little bit boring with this but it's is truly what i would want it to do there are certain cleaning chores that i can't stand and others that aren't necessarily good for my mental health. So one, the, the chore that I can't stand for some reason is dusting. There's something in, I can't get over the fact of, I've got a shelf and I've got to take stuff off of it, put it somewhere and then clean it and then put the stuff straight back on it. For some reason, that just seems so absolutely pointless to me. So I'd rather have a robot do that. And the other one, I mean, yes, a dishwasher is already kind of technically a robot because it's washing dishes for you automatically. But I have uh, a rather, <laughs> I'm rather particular about how a dishwasher is packed. And I don't think that's necessarily good for my mental health. So uh, if I could have a robot that <laughs> packed the dishwasher too, so I don't have to worry about, you know, are all the plates facing the right way or whatever, I'd, I'd, I'd like it to do that. Hmm. What would I want it to do? I think I've got to go with the cleaning as well. Oh, I got a couple of different ideas. Bathroom cleaning, mm. kitchen cleaning, mm -hmm. and reaching stuff I can't because I'm short. <laughs> yeah, getting into those hard-to-reach places. You need an ex uh, exoskeleton Ooh, for an extender arm. Like Inspector Gadget. Yes. Yeah, I want Inspector Gadget arms and legs. That would be fun. <laughs> but for around the house, cleaning the bathroom and the kitchen. Well, cleaning the whole house would be great. Okay, so let's wrap this up. 
If you'd like to know more about our research on robotics or AI or any other topics, you can email us at uxsoup at strategyanalytics.com. A reminder that UX Soup is presented as always by Strategy Analytics. Check out our latest user-focused insights at sa-ux.com. And remember to subscribe, like, or review UX Soup on your favorite podcasting platform or by visiting our show page at ux-soup.com. You can also visit the show page to follow myself or Chris on LinkedIn. That's all for now. Thanks for listening.